The Nets have lost three straight games and are slipping in the standings. Is it time to be concerned? Should Steve Nash be calling more timeouts? And who do you want the Nets to avoid in the first round of the playoffs? Our special guest this week is another part of the dynamic Yes Network broadcast crew. It's Sarah Kustak joining the pod. So take a timeout yourself, sit back and relax, and enjoy a new episode of Full Court on Flatbush from the New York Post. The next stop is Barclays Center. Full Court on Flatbush. Flatbush Avenue. It's the podcast. A New York Post. BK. Most stars in the sky. The three. Welcome to Full Court on Flatbush. I'm your host, Robin Lundberg, alongside my co-host, former net, number 30, Carrie Kittles. You'll hear our producer, Jake Brown, during the show as well. And give us a five-star rating. Write a nice review on Apple Podcasts, please. We appreciate your support as we take you through what has been a thrilling net season. You can follow us on Twitter, at Robin Lundberg, and at Kerry underscore Kittles 30. Yes Network Nets color commentator, Sarah Kustop, joins us later in the show. But before we get into the current state of the Nets, Kerry, and everything we got to talk about, Steve Nash not calling a timeout, possible playoff matchups, when James Harden is going to be back. I am distracted because our producer, Jake Brown, has uh, a schmedium version of your uh, <laughs> <laughs> old jersey on, a Kerry Kittle's jersey on that that really, uh, it's really a snug fit uh, on Jake's otherwise nude physique right now. <laughs> I'll say this. Uh, so I, I get down to South Carolina, the first, I open my first drawer and there's two jerseys in there and then some other junk, no other clothes. Jason Kidd and Carrie Kittles. And I, I'm like, I need to toss this on. I had a t-shirt on. I tried putting it on with a shirt underneath. It nearly ripped. So that's why I'm here uh, with my ripped body in the jersey. It is definitely a, a schmedium, but 20 years later, Carrie, it still gets over me and it still fits a little bit. Man. And I know I texted it to you and it makes you feel a little old, right? It makes you feel old, but you know, I, I really appreciate you know going in there and finding that jersey. That's, uh, that's a classic. It's a throwback. What do you feel more of, old or disgusted right now? <laughs> <laughs> definitely a bit of both, quite a bit of yeah. both. I guess the hairy shoulders and arms are, are scaring Carrie a little bit. Yeah, here. just it's seeing a- that jersey. I mean, when's the last time you saw a player on the NBA court wore that jersey? That's It's been a long time. So. Well, this is not the authentic. It's the very cheapy, eh, like, okay. non the colors that matter. You know, it's, it's pretty close. Yeah. The Nets need to it's wear the Sam, these in the Sam, Sam Goody edition? Is that yeah. that's what it's it is? like a Rick, Rick Barry's. Uh, what was that story? Remember Stephen Barry's? It was like, say, it's Starbury's and cheap jersey. Yeah, and... I don't know why I said Sam Goody. Is that a that's record a store? I was thinking of, yeah, yeah, I was thinking of an old sporting goods store. I don't know why Sam Goody. Both of you showing your age here. Record stores and uh, carries 20 years ago. But, you know, it was the two, the backcourt right next. It was almost like apropos, like, to this show. There you go. Both jerseys. There was no other jersey in the drawer. It's almost like my mom put them there knowing that it's like the full court on Flatbush podcast. I was like, there you go. There you go. Maybe I met Models instead. <laughs> anyway, getting to... Uh, they closed Models more... down, by the way. My childhood is just ruined because got to go to Moe's was one of the great commercials. I was. And I think COVID, they went bankrupt or something. I was old. 
Yeah, it's like Dick's Sporting Goods is the only game in town because every time I go to a Dick's Sporting Goods, it's packed in there. In fact, the, the one in Wayne, New Jersey, has had my bicycle for three weeks <laughs> with no update on the status of my bicycle. So if anyone works or knows anybody who works at Dick's Sporting Goods, please let me know what's going on with my bicycle. There's the young in Robin Lundberg, the bicycle and the Wolverine that's behind him right now, Mr. <laughs> Marvel himself. Yeah, I got uh, Incredible Hulk number 181 oh. behind me as well, the first appearance of, of Wolverine. Very Carrie. nice. I like that. Talking about the, the Nets on the court now and, and not the, the, the jersey on Jake, uh, <laughs> a couple of, of losses here. And we're, we're not used to talking about losses, right? So many times throughout the season, we're coming on, we're like, how can you stop the Nets? They're unstoppable and unbeatable. Last few games against the Bucks exposed some of the weaknesses we've stated, right? It's not like breaking news that the Nets struggled defensively at times, struggle on the interior with securing rebounds and all that. But when you see it head-to-head against the team that very well likely could be a playoff matchup, especially in the second round, and has a guy in Giannis who's almost specifically designed to exploit those weaknesses. Yeah, he is. I mean, he is a tough cover for anybody in the league. Right? He's been dominating the league the last three years. And, you know, the Nets' interior presence has been a question mark most of the year. That's been their Achilles heel. And what does Giannis do well? I mean, great, exceptional. He's like, <laughs> I'm going to attack you downhill, possession after possession. He's going to really put the heat on you, protecting the rim. Can you contest layups? His finishes around the basket, you know, without fouling him. It's just extremely difficult to do, especially when you have shooters on the court. Watching that game, those last couple of games against the Bucks will really show you if they were to play in the playoffs, it will be a slugfest. No doubt about it. I mean, I mean, Blake Griffin had his hands full those times and he was trying to guard Giannis one-on-one. And making adjustments is going to be key. Can, can you get more out of Claxton? Can DeAndre Jordan do a better job containing him? He did not in these last two games. Well, yeah, look, DeAndre Jordan's been a topic all year. I, I'm still not sure he really belongs in the rotation. Maybe there's not as many options there, obviously, with, with what happened with LaMarcus Aldridge. But yeah, you have to couch it a little bit because these are close games. I mean, the, the one on, on Sunday really came down to the wire. Last night was close as well and the obvious thing the the difference is who's in street clothes for these two teams and and for the Nets that is James Harden it's kind of remarkable when you look at it statistically Kerry because Harden the Nets are 27 and 7 with him in the lineup since the the trade they are under 500 without him they're actually under 500 in games that that Kevin Durant and and Kyrie Irving have shared the floor together and I think in, in many ways Harden saved this era. If that trade hadn't gone down, considering the injury to Durant, you could be talking about the play-in game more than you are the the, the championship right now. And, and I think they really need him back. I honestly believe he's their most important and, and frankly, their best player because what they miss with him is that facilitation, that playmaking. And, and I, I also think he, he brings a little bit when it comes to defense and, and rebounding as well from a, a physicality standpoint. Yeah, no, no question about it. I, I think he was definitely, I mean, listen, he shocked me with his defense when he came over to the Nets. I did not think he was that capable as a defender containing guys using his body making it tough for guys you know just competing we hadn't really seen him do that in the past facilitating that's what he does great you know like passing the ball finding the role guys hitting the swing pass open guys right and then obviously scoring what he does he keeps the pressure on you scoring so if you switch in Kyrie and you you know listen if you're the Bucks you have Drew Holiday who's a great one-on-one defender and you have Chris Middleton as the other wing and Dante DiVincenzo those guys switching on to Harden he's going to pick and find the, the weak link and he's going to exploit you so He's the critical element to them getting past teams like the Bucks, teams like the Sixers. It will not be easy. 
to get past those two teams without James Harden in the lineup. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm almost at the point where I don't think there is a championship in their future if he's not on the floor, right? Like, the, it is dependent on his hamstring. It really is. And also, do they have enough time to develop some chemistry, right? We heard Steve Nash after the game last night talk about chemistry. Here we are now in the beginning of May, playoffs right around the corner, and they're, they're worried about chemistry. And it's like, you look at the East, the Sixers, they're rolling. They've been playing games. They've been doing well. The Bucks, they've been rolling. Everyone's healthy. Everyone's playing. They have their rotations down. Now the Nets are dealing with chemistry issues, finding the right pieces, trying to find this common, what do you call it, the common experience, lack of common experience. I'm like, whoa, this is concerning to hear this from the head coach at this time of the season in May. Speaking of the head coach, Steve Nash came under fire a little bit from from Nets fans uh, due to the fact there was a 17-1 run going on. He didn't call a, a, a timeout. That's been one of the main critiques of him this year, I, th- I think for the most part, all the returns have been good, but basically letting the, the situation get away for a while. And, and he said afterward, maybe he should have called a timeout, but he wants the, the team to get experience playing through solutions. I, I, I guess I, under- I understand personally that school of thought because a lot of what the Nets have done hasn't exactly been results oriented game to game. It's been more process oriented game to game. But as a, a former player, what, what do you make of that? Are you looking to the coach going, come on, dude, you, you, you got to call a, a T.O.? Yeah, I, I think you just call a timeout at this point in the season. If you want to say earlier in the season or against an opponent you know you can ro- roll over and you're just going to let them play through it, that's fine. You're playing against the Bucks, <laughs> right? And it's late in the season, and you're worried about them guys trying to figure it out on the fly. It's not going to happen. I mean, the leadership skills that Kyrie and KD have at this point, it is what it is. They can't figure it out after the first six, eight points. 12 points, it's time to call a timeout. Gather guys together, regroup, discuss things, figure things out, stop letting the teams get ahead and get a, a, a run on you. It's just not cool. When, when it comes to coaching in the playoffs, I mean, any concerns about Nash being green? And, and then secondly, you know, his lead assistant, Mike D'Antoni, who I love. I, I think Mike D'Antoni is a an innovative basketball philosopher, if you will. But one of the, the things that was perhaps a drawback for him was adjustments. He, he really was very stubborn in, in what he did out there and didn't make too many changes. Do you think that the Nets are holding things close to the vest and that they have the ability to, to switch stuff up in the, yeah, in the postseason? I do. I do. I do. I think the Nets are definitely um, playing a little bit of chess, right? We saw them do that with the lineups and I'll let certain guys, you know, Durant didn't play against the Sixers. You play a little bit of mind games with that team and some of their players, Ben Simmons in particular, right? Now against the Bucks, you kind of let them play through these mistakes, let a team get on a run, knowing that when the playoffs start, it's going to be a different type of team on the court, different energy, and then different adjustments and strategies from the coaching staff. You don't want to show them all your cards right now. It doesn't make any sense to go in in timeouts and just draw up some crazy plays or come up with some outlandish scheme to try to slow down Giannis or whatever. Let them kind of play through it and just let things go. But Steve Nash has always been a very thoughtful player, and I can see him having other things in his in his bag of tricks come the playoff time. Moral of the story is, you know, the, the Nets have played well enough in the season where that playoff spot is, is guaranteed, right? We all know that. They should get hardened back at some point. We're expecting that. I, I've said all year, because especially with the injury, but even before that, because it, it's ludicrous to overly criticize LeBron James now at this point in his career. You just look like a, a, a silly lunatic. He was always this subject of hysteria. And I think the Nets moved into that slot because they were the interesting new story and new toy. So now I, I think they are covered in a bit of a hysterical fashion. And we may just be in one of those modes where people get their chance to laugh at them right now before things get right. Well, speaking of ludicrous, the question is how low 
Can the Nets go? You like what I did there? Um, that's why they pay me the big bucks. Because you look at the standings now. Or they pay you in chicken and beer. Yes, and that's why this jersey <laughs> is a snug fit. I've actually stayed away from beer during the pandemic. It's been a- well, that's also a ludicrous album title. It's just oh, there you go. Oh, Very yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you've got me on that one. Wow, I've, I need to go back in my ludicrous archives, the discography, and uh, check that out. But or, or you might have to listen to Word of Mouth in order to. There you go. Him. He's on. Yeah. He's on fire. NBA Jam. <laughs> um, you look at the schedules and how low they can go. This is starting to get a little scary. First off, Steve Nash's explanation sounded like it was geometry class, the problem solving. Uh, I inserted the gif of everyone in the room is now dumber. I award you zero points and may God have mercy on your soul from the Billy Madison scene. I didn't really understand that. But that's besides the point. The schedule is scary here, guys, where the Nets could fall to three. I'm not saying the Knicks are going to pass them and go to four, but if they go to three, things get dicey. And when you look at the Bucks and Sixers schedule, it is a cakewalk. The Bucks have one game versus a team over 500. The Sixers have one game against a team over 500. Are you concerned that the Nets are going to fall to three? They're not going to have home court after the first round and they might have to face the Miami Heat. Yes, I'm concerned about about home court. I, I think home court, having been there before in the playoffs, regardless of how many fans are in the arena, home court makes a huge difference in the playoffs. And we, especially when you're talking about a team that doesn't have their best player, you know, potentially in the lineup. And you're talking about not having enough time to develop chemistry, real on the court chemistry and, and just flow together, right? So yeah, it's, home court is huge. I'm not worried about the Miami Heat. I think they can get past the Miami Heat if, if that were to be the case. But having to go on the road and win games in Milwaukee, we did just lost two. Having to go on the road and win in Philly, that's a tough place to win. You know, I don't know, guys. It's just definitely concerning to me. And that's why, you know, I've had my moments this year where I was like, eh, I love what they're doing. I love the scoring. I love when they're out there together, you know, especially when Harden was playing. He makes the game so easy. But lately, you know, in the, in the, in the questions with the hamstring, it's, it's concerning to me. Definitely. You know, I'm not concerned about any team that isn't called the Milwaukee Bucks or the Philadelphia 76ers in a series. I think the the Nets with KD and Kyrie can beat those other teams, the Celtics, the Heat, the Wizards, whomever that may be. You just won't say the Knicks, right? You just won't say the Knicks. Well, I, well when with, no, 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 no. It's like James I, look, Harden in the New Yorker cover. He literally took the Knicks worried. off the He's cover. worried the fans are going to hop on his Twitter page and eat him alive. <laughs> well, look, again, I, I said something about, uh, I think it was, I forget who I said something about last night. It might have been Harden. And, and somebody uh, comes into the my mentions talking about Julius Randle. I was like, Julius Randle's been sensational this year. I mean, I, it's okay I, to be worried about the number one defensive team in the league. Trust I, me. Well, if, if the, no, if the Nets are healthy, I'm not worried about the Knicks in a playoff series. I think one of the things about the Knicks that's been uh, brilliant and beautiful about their season is they've, like, maximized what they should be capable of. I, there's never been a team, I, I cannot recall, in my, my history of basketball-watching life, a team where there's a gap as big as it is with the Knicks between what I thought they'd be and what they are. So I don't mean that to be dismissive of the Knicks in any way. The Knicks play hard. They play together. Randall has has turned himself with, with those mid-ranges he's hitting and the threes he's hitting into a, a franchise looking like cornerstone kind of piece. Derrick Rose has had an awesome phase of his career, but I don't think head-to-head they're given the the Nets problems in a best of seven series. I, I listen. I watch the Knicks play. They they play hard. They they compete, right? And they didn't do that prior to Tibbs being there. But the Nets have some questions that are like, you know, I mean, they're going to beat you with scoring points, right? The second in the league or whatever it is in points per game, you know. But their defense has been having their moments this year where when it's not good, it's not good, right? They can't guard at the rim at all. And now you you're taking away minutes from Bruce Brown, who I think is an X factor, Claxton, no length, no rim protection at all. You drive to the rim against the Nets, you're going to get a layup. 
or dunk. And so, guys, listen, it's, it's concerning to me that the, the Nets have still have these question marks this late in the season. You would think by now they would have established themselves on a defensive end and figured out those things and being able to not to lose three in a row when it matters the most. But does it really matter the most, too? That's a, like one of the things, Kerry. Yeah, yeah. Team. Home court advantage matters. Well, I'm not talking about home court event. I'm talking about now when it matters, like the, the this part of the season. Because a lot of times I think the the last month of the season can sometimes be deceiving because teams are sort of uh, – they're on that, that runway up to waiting for takeoff, right? Yeah, that's the uh, Bucks and the Sixers. They're waiting for takeoff. They're, all their guys are healthy. They're right there, one and two or whatever, one and three in the, in the East. Yeah, that's waiting for takeoff. But the Nets, look at the trend that they're on right now. Their lineup is really in disarray. You know, the coaches have all these question marks about chemistry, right? And now you have the other teams gaining advantage on you and having that playoff advantage. Home court is huge. I'm trying to tell you, if the Nets are fighting this uphill battle, trying to win road games without Harden, it's going to be a tough road to the finals. Without Harden. I mean, you keep saying, I mean, is that, is, is he the, the, basically, is that it? Is that the, the end all be all? Second round and, and, and on without Harden is definitely going to be. Those records are scary, the difference. Nine and 10 without him, 27 and seven with him. That is like a, a, two different worlds, guys. Well, I agree with that. I, I'm saying, I, I, this is, I'm working under the assumption that he's back, you know, but, but maybe that's an assumption you can't make. I, I think w- with Harden in the lineup, the Nets remain the favorites to win the title. Without Harden, I, I think their season ends in disappointment. I worry about the buzzkill if, because that's an injury that could be reoccurring. And if he comes back in the first round and that hand, tears or it's it's finished he's playing with a sore hammy then then it's june 1st and we're like the nets are about to be out of the playoffs after what had championship aspirations and you look to next year it would just be i think for you know the people listening and all the nets fans just the absolute worst feeling i think that's part of why the nets are going to take this as careful as they possibly can like if he if he's not a hundred percent if he's 90 percent for game one of the first round they're not going to play him because they cannot deal with the chance of him re-injuring that hammy and don't don't think that expectations won't play a role when the playoffs come and the pressure hits and you're Kyrie and KD and you're thinking, man, you know, we're supposed to be in the finals and now we're we're down, you know, three to two here. Like, we, you know, this is a must win for us. That's a tough place to be in. And if you're in the first or second round and you're supposed to be in the NBA finals and you got to win a, 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 two games in a row, I don't know. And I, I think that pressure trickles down to the role players, right? It's not just for those guys. It's it's when Landry Shamit's looking at an open shot, or Joe Harris is looking at an open shot. Uh, I, I I I was that about Shamit? Yeah, Shamit. <laughs> oh, I'm not worried about Harris. I think Harris would be fine. Shamit. I don't know. Harris though doesn't have his best games against the best teams. That's something I've noticed to be a little bit of a, a trend a, as well. But this is a good like cliffhanger to leave it on. We're, we're a little bit concerned, a, a little bit panicked, and, and we are approaching the playoffs. The Nets' upcoming schedule, six games left. Wednesday, they're at the Mavericks, and they're at the Nuggets, at the Bulls. A week from Wednesday, they've got the Spurs, Saturday versus the Bulls, and Sunday versus the Cavs. So two games left versus teams over 500. before we get to the thing that we've been talking about all season, which is the playoffs. Coming up next, we'll talk to Yes Network analyst Sarah Kustak about all things Brooklyn Nets. We have the pleasure to be joined now by Yes Network Nets color commentator, the great Sarah Kustak, who you can follow on Twitter at Sarah Kustak and Instagram at SG Kustak. She's also heard on Sirius XM NBA radio as well. And Sarah, you know, in in covering this Nets team this year, when when the James Harden trade went down, Carrie and I were talking about this a minute ago, you know, there was a a sense that it it was a a luxury at that time. But boy, oh boy, does he seem like a necessity right now? (laughs) 
<laughs> when, when's James going to be back? Uh, no, you're, you're spot on. And I think the thing that stood out most since the Nets acquired James Harden and the stretch of the time he spent with the team was how much he elevated the play of everyone else around him and orchestrated what the Nets were doing offensively. And so I think for a multitude of reasons, what we've seen now in, in some recent stretches without him is just sometimes a lack of organization that he provided, a lack of an ability for really raising the level of play of some of these other complementary players, the understanding of timing throughout the course of games, when guys need touches, when he needs to facilitate, when to get everyone involved, when to go get his own. So obviously, when you're talking about what a, a nine-time All-Star, seven-time All-NBA player, w- would you love to have him bl- back? Absolutely. But I, I think there has been certain points, in particular throughout the course of the last couple games, where you understand just what a critical piece he will be when he does come back. Thanks for joining us, by the way. What's your thoughts on on moving forward? You know, this last few games without him, and perhaps without in the first round and the second round, do they have enough just with KD and Kyrie to get past the first round without him? What are your thoughts on post? season nets with uh without harden or with uh you know a, a hampered or slow hamstring harden carrie you're scaring the listeners you're scaring <laughs> all the nets fans out there wait not no first round um i think at this point uh, you don't want to speculate too far down the line because it is still uncertain when he will return i think nash a few games ago had talked about the fact that it may be before the playoffs it may be you know during the first round of the playoffs I, i'm not sure they know yet that time frame the other important thing to remember with this new play-in tournament format is that by the end of the regular season before the start of that first round the Nets will have a full week there to hopefully add a little bit of time that may be beneficial to the entire team to to harden himself so I think at this point you you don't look too far down what will happen because you don't know the matchups you don't know the way the entire team looks more than anything I think it's just about for this group trying to solidify the things they can take care of what stood out to me in these Milwaukee games was less about the losses and I know obviously it is impactful given how it affected them and may affect their implications in the standings but you think about just the most recent game the 22nd chance points 14 points off turnovers 10 free throws that the Nets miss there was certain aspects of the game in that fourth quarter when they had that six-point lead and not only did Milwaukee go on an 18 to 1 run but the the way that they were scoring, the offensive breakdown, the lack of resistance in some ways, those are all areas that we have seen the Nets be able to be competent. And for as much as there's been focus on the defensive end for Brooklyn, I think we've seen moments when they've got stops in, in clutch situations, when they've been able to use their switching scheme to really be effective. So I think as you look at these final, where they had six games now left, however, a little bit of six games, six, seven games left here, just focus on the things that you need to work towards improving on and taking care of the areas that there is just more attention to detail um, and bring that level of energy, bring the level of motivation as you close out the season to put yourself in the best position, regardless of who's available, regardless of who's on the floor, that you are doing things and playing in the way that you want to be characteristic of this group. One thing you can't control is the noise, right? And there are legitimate concerns, like you mentioned, we've talked about defense, rebounding, all that sort of stuff. The noise is something that's followed this team because they've been the the story of the the NBA season. How much do you feel that in covering them and and being around them 
all the time because there's just a bubble of hysteria, if you will. Robin, I love it. Like to think about where this team was at four years ago, four seasons ago, a 20-win team, a 28-win team. They exceeded expectations in making the playoffs two years ago. Obviously, last year uh, was a different set of circumstances with the pandemic. But you look at the signing of Kyrie and Kevin Durant. I think for for all of us who just watched the different iterations of this Nets team since being in Brooklyn, uh, this is such an extremely exciting year. And enjoying the ride is a part of it. And so I think the fact that, you know, for so long, being able to turn on whatever national TV shows or, you know, a lot of things that whether you you like what people are saying or you don't like what they're saying, they are a, a point of focus and they are a point of interest. And I think for that reason, there's a lot of positive to take out of that. And overall, I would say up until these last couple games, which have been tough, having given the fact that they have lost that hold on to one seed, and then now it's looking like um, it's certainly going to be a battle uh, to keep that two seed. I think overall, there was so much to be prideful about for this group of the resiliency they showed and what they dealt with in and out of the rosters and of some of these key players. If you would have said at the beginning of the season, you know, even thinking about losing Spencer Dinwiddie at the beginning of the year and then all the changes that have been through. I think there is a lot to be really proud of. And I think a lot of the noise has been so external that for this group, you saw great chemistry, not just on the floor and how they've had different stretches of winning, but off the floor. I mean, this was a tight group. They're playing for one another. They really enjoyed how they were working to improve and find ways to win in different ways throughout the course of this year. So I think for all of those reasons, it's been fun. I think for us calling games and covering games and and watching them, it's been a lot of fun. But now, like this team was put together to compete in the postseason. This team was put together to compete for a title. They have been very clear about their goals. This is when you come down to see, okay, what is really going to happen throughout the course of all these changes and all these challenges, what's going to come out of Yeah, the I believe it's it's called a come-up that, that, that has happened <laughs> with the Brooklyn Nets. Now, you mentioned chemistry, and that's something that, that works in, in any walk of life, in any profession, and in yours as well, right? I, mean, I think we've had basically the entire crew on this show now. Just awesome. I mean, the remarkable Iron Eagle. My, my good friend Ryan Rucco is great at his job. Michael Grady's been on, on here. And now you, who I, I think... Wait, Robin, I, do, I don't want to cut you off. What is this mean that I was the last of the last of the crew to be on? Is this a pecking order? I, I wasn't the one I'm texting sorry, you. I'm You're going to ask Carrie. I don't know. Well, I'm blaming Carrie. <laughs> I'm blaming no, Carrie. No, can't blame me. can't blame me. It's timing. You know, it's all timing. Like... Oh, you know I'm messing with you. Thank you, Robin. It, Keep going. No, it's not just because you're on either. I, I, you're a terrific analyst. Uh, you know, a, a yes. terrific basketball analyst. And, and I, yes. I appreciate that as a viewer. But the, that whole crew is tremendous. How do you develop the chemistry? How do you maintain it? I forgot to mention Richard Jefferson, who's hilarious. You know, how do you... We always forget about him. <laughs> how, does, how does that work for, for you guys over there? First, tremendous compliment. And thank you for all of those kind words. And I think that is, you know, for me, one of the most joyful parts of my job. I lived basketball my whole life. I love basketball. Um, so getting an opportunity to build a career off of watching and talking about and calling basketball games is a dream come true. But to do it with people that you truly care about and you truly love and you truly consider not just colleagues, but some of your very best friends, nothing compares to that. And I would go further to say, you talk about all of those, our our bosses at Yes, but our our great producer, Frank DeGrace, who has been such an integral piece to all of this, the rest of our production truck. I mean, I've 
believe we have the best truck in the business. It, it's really a team and a group effort. And I think all of us, we kind of have the same mindset. We have the same level of preparation. We have the same joy and appreciation for what we get to do. And we just enjoy each other. And so I think there's a nice balance. And I think we're able to, throughout the course of broadcasts, you know, play off one another and play off the fact that we're not pretending to be friends. We're not pretending to like each other. We're not pretending to enjoy what we do. We, we truly enjoy each other, enjoy what we do. And at the end of the day, we, we just really hope that that resonates with the viewers and with the listeners, because, you know, they're, they're the ones that matter. They're the ones that who are watching the game have to have to listen to us. So we, we hope we can give that enjoyment back. Sarah, we always say it's a super team on the court and a super team in the broadcast booth. It's, it's the double Jake, super team you. going on. And working with Ian behind the scenes. Now, Richard, we haven't had on yet. We'll have to have him on in season three for episode 69 in typical Richard Jefferson fashion. So we'll have to wait on him. But behind the scenes, what are they like? Because Ian cracks us up. We had him last week. The clip of him saying jambalaya will live in the soundboard <laughs> history books. Uh, so what's life like then with behind the scenes? Uh, multiply all that greatness and hilarity uh, by a thousand. Ian Eagle is, is one of the absolute funniest people that I know. And what you see on the air is every bit of what he is off the air and production meetings or group texts. I mean, the list goes on. And I say this often about Ian. I say the same thing about Ryan. Michael Grady, Richard, they are as good of people and as kind of people that you will ever want to meet. And how they treat each other, all of us, uh, that to me far outweighs just how outstanding they are at their jobs. Because I think, of course, they are tremendous broadcasters, but they're just good people and enjoyable to be around. And they make me gut laugh. I always say that I feel like I'm a good audience, but I, I show up at work. I mean, the fact that I show up at work and half the time, you know, I'm cracking up and keeled over laughing before we're about to do it open or about to go on air. Um, it, it's really, it's a special thing. But yeah, what you see on the air is, is every bit of who all those individuals are. And, and when it comes to Ian, it, as good as it comes at, as a person. So let's get back to the Nets. And I'd lo love to hear your thoughts on the role players, right? There's so much attention around the big three and, and obviously what they bring to the table and, and, and obviously James Harden, his absence. And even when he played, like you mentioned earlier, his ability to make everyone else around him better. But let me hear your thoughts on some of the role players. I mean, you and I are texting back and forth about, Sh about Shannon. I know, I was we got to bring say, up Shannon, right? You probably know all well, We got to bring stuff. up Shannon because you and I, we always chatting you you love them i i love them sometimes <laughs> you're fair you know. weather carrie no i love here's the thing though that has been to me when you look at uh jeff green you know bruce brown what he's done nicholas clacton obviously haven't been in and out i don't even know if you can call joe harris a role player because he, he has just been such a pivotal part of what this organization has done to me th those are the biggest factors when you look at how far this team may be able to to go in the playoffs, when you look at real title contention, I believe in some ways it's going to come down to what you get out of those players in a consistent manner in the biggest moments when it matters most. And so I, I have just enjoyed the way that they all seem to have such a great level of one responsibility, whatever role they're playing, it's shifted throughout the course of the year. They have all been so professional and they're going to start, they're going to be out of the rotation. They're going to play 10 minutes, whatever it is. 
they have been really good at just accepting that and rolling with that. And also, I think, you know, too, you look at a player like Landry Shamit, and I know we're coming off a game where he had a, a tough night against the Bucks from three. But overall, I think sometimes, and Kerry, you know this better than anyone, as a player, like you forget that at the start of the season, first year with Philly, they get traded to LA. He's coming from LA. This is his third team in his third year with his new coach new group, you're in the middle of a pandemic, you're trying to move, there's a shortened training camp. I mean, the list goes out. So the start of the season, I think everyone was wondering, when is this guy going to hit shots? And it's like, there's a lot of moving parts. And I think what happens at the start of the season with a new team, there is so much more attention on that than if someone was just going through a, a bit of a slump at the early part of the year. So I had been impressed with the way that, of course, he worked himself out of that, improved with his efficiency every month. And then you think about the times when Kyrie has been out or James has been out, and they've relied on him to be a ball handler and to be a creator. We've seen his development and not just being that three-point shooter. So yeah, he's one player that I've been impressed with that they will need. Same goes with Bruce Brown. I mean, the role that he was able to fill and fit in, given the fact that he was out of the rotation at the start of the season, but you see the jolt and you see the jump that the intensity takes when Bruce Brown enters the floor. I haven't felt that way when he entered the Milwaukee game, what he can do at his size, um, how he's found a role. So yeah, I mean, all those things. And then Jeff Green, I mean, I, th- I think he's the one guy that you just continue to go, wow, he felt like a nice pickup. Um, but how he's been able to be consistent and effective from three and then do all the other little things. Like, do we, do we love, do we love the highlight jams? That's a blast that you love that he his body count continues to rise each and every game, but more so I just think his switchability and versatility on the defensive end is going to be something that's really valuable, especially when it comes postseason. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And without Harden in the lineup, you know, those minutes are going to be out there for those role players. Right. And I think it's going to be a juggling act in the coaching staff and Steve Nash and the Antonio has done a great job with that thus far with finding the right guys and pushing the right buttons and making sure that they have the right guys on the court. Now you throw in Mike James, right? This guy comes from, I don't know, overseas, whatever, and he's just a reliable P, and they trust him. I mean, he's in fourth quarter closing out games, and it's like, whoa, 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 what happened to Tyler? What happened to Shavit? It's like, no, these minutes are going to go to James now. We'll see how he handles these minutes, and he's been doing really well. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out with the coaching staff in those minutes these last few games in the regular season, and if Harden isn't available – and how is that going to be distributed amongst those other guys when the playoffs come around? Yeah, or even or even when Harden is available. And, and that goes back to that is not an easy thing to have when you do get to the postseason and when the rotation is shortened. There's going to be moments that those guys won't play in a game or won't play for a couple games. And then they may be in a critical game throughout the course of a series and they've got to be able to perform. And so I think that's where the the question marks come in of pushing the right buttons. What are the right matchups? How are you forcing opponents to match up against you? And I think that's too, you know, for all of us, just to be excited, this this Milwaukee, the little mini series we saw, to me, it didn't seem like the same emphasis for as much as it, it, it should have or, or maybe did have a bit of a playoff feel. I think it's going to be a whole different ball game with the adjustments you're making and how you're strategizing that we maybe didn't necessarily see throughout the course of these two games by design I would assume with the coaching staff but even how you're guarding Giannis or what you're doing and those things I believe that this with the net staff you're talking about D'Antoni, Jack Vaughn, Ime Yudoka, you got Steve Nash of course in his rookie year as a head coach but how they are able to game plan and adjust within a series is going to be really interesting uh, for all of us to see. By the way Harden's going to be available we're speaking that into existence I don't know. Yeah, can you <laughs> I, like I like that manifestation I like that. I, 
Uh, here's the deal. I feel like I'm gonna get in trouble if I say too much because I don't know anything. But people think I have inside knowledge. Carrie's acting. Carrie, <laughs> why are you trying to act like James Harden's not coming back till like July? <laughs> I don't like. I this. don't like this ham. I just don't like the hamstring injury. I, I, I'm okay with other things. The hamstring is the one that just worries me. I think it'd be fine though. I think. It'd be fine. <laughs> well, I don't know, but the, you you're saying it a little too matter of factly. I feel like we need to clarify for you. Yeah, put some good things in the universe. I'm, 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 sage, I've been manifesting it lately. I've been manifesting it lately. I had a nice session yesterday morning. Well, it was all about Harden's hamstring, so I'm, I'm giving him those positive vibes. <laughs> oh, oh wow! <laughs> I, I didn't know you, you were. Well, what did you have? Like a, a mantle with with Harden up there? <laughs> just the positive thoughts, man. It's just the positive thoughts. I'm feeding into the universe. You know, it's funny. We've been talking about texting other people a, a, a lot to, today, and and uh, I've been texting with Ryan Rucco this week about the Marvel broadcast he did because I'm a big Marvel fan. Yeah. We used to work together, and I think he did a great job with the references. But you know, one of the running bits uh, on this show is how Kerry gets bashful when people compliment him. I think one of the running bits on the Nets on Yets broadcast is how you don't get any of those references when, you know, somebody makes a, a pop culture or a superhero or, or some sort of reference. So two things. One, I'd like to know a little bit more about Sarah Kustak because I know she's an unbelievable basketball analyst, but what are you into? And then two, if you'd like to say something nice about Kerry, please do. Can I start with the nice things about Kerry? Kerry... Yeah. <laughs> I I requested for the Nets to have your number 21 when when I was getting my jersey. You're my favorite net. You are my far favorite. Forget Vince Carter. Forget Richard Oh, Jefferson. shorter jersey, Jake. Jason shorter Smith. jersey. I had to take it off because it's too tight. Here it is. Boom. Oh. Boom. The classic blue. It was in my mom in my drawer well, in my, I'm I at my family home. Carrie, so. I think you gave me a hard time. I, did. A hard time I want that jersey. That. I, I want that, I said, that I don't, jersey. I said I don't want my twenty one with the bit. I don't I don't watch a lot of TV or movies. It's not really a bit. Like I feel like a bit is something you play up and Ian and Ryan in particular, they are movie buffs, they're TV buffs. I'm in with the music. I, I can I can get you with the music, but I grew I never really watched TV growing up, and I never really watched like movies or that much. And now maybe I've added a little bit more with the pandemic. By nature, I'm not someone that wants to like sit and watch a lot of TV or movies. So Ian will drop a line or Ryan will say something. Don't tell him. I told him how tremendous he was on the Marvel broadcast. I I didn't get any of the references. But so that's that's what I got, Robin. So I wish I wish I was playing it up. Like a lot of the Seinfeld, I never really watched Seinfeld. So Ian's dropping Seinfeld stuff, and yeah. But you say your music, so you could drop like a bar, like a Jay Z lyric oh. or something. Or, or I dropped. I I thought I was being Tyler Johnson. Came back with he had a different a different dude when he came back from health and safety protocol. Do you remember the Lady Array Afro yeah, yeah, yeah. I rock rock yeah. and stuff. So I said the line. And I, I looked at Ian head. and he looked at me like, why that? would you say you rock rough and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. I'm like, come on. Ray. I'm like, finally. No, you forget about the age gap. I, I remember when John Morant got drafted, I, I talked to him and, and he didn't know who Tribe Called Quest was. I was like, oh, you don't know who Q-Tip is either? And then I started arguing with his dad about Jay-Z or Nas, but <laughs> John Morant was like, no, I got no idea who Tribe Called Quest is. They don't is. like 90s it's rappers, different. man. These it's young kids. Different. 
No, we have fun though. We have fun. And I also think we just, we enjoy giving each other a hard time as I know you all do, especially Carrie, Carrie, the nicest person that there I try is, to, the I, nicest I, I person try to on be. the planet. I just want to get your thoughts on Nash, right? He's been taking some, 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 uh, some shots lately about adjustments, not calling timeouts. As we mentioned earlier, he's got a lot of things to be considering down the stretch here. What, what are your thoughts on, you know, first time head coach having all these challenges this year? I mean, what's your grade? What would you give him as a grade thus far? I would give him an A. I'm not a good, I, I'm not a good grader. I think if I was a teacher, I'd probably, if, if, the, if the kids tried, give everyone A's. You know what? I, I have been extremely impressed on a variety of levels, starting with how challenging it is. If everyone could coach superstars and everyone could try to manage different personalities, you know, everyone would be doing it. It is not an easy thing to resonate with players the way that he has top to bottom in your roster and try to get everyone to feel valued, to buy in, to thrive in the environment that it continues to be created. And I think he's done a excellent job of that, you know, starting from the point of, of some of the off-court stuff and then on-court stuff. That I think has, has just been such a big plus that is often overlooked or not as easy as sometimes people make it look. And I think he's done a tremendous job just with that. I think you hear from players so often just about his communication style and his just, he's always been someone who I think has come off so grounded and so humble and how he defers so much of the attention or um, some of the praise. But I think with that comes from the fact that he's not micromanaging. He's, he's really allowing players to feel a sense of ownership or taking in opinions or doing a good job of making sure that he knows what he knows and he knows what he doesn't know. And I, I think for those reasons, it's really important in your first year. And then, you know, throughout the course of the season, I, I know late we could talk about timeouts. You could talk about different play calls. There's little things. And I think as, as fans or with losses or, you know, forever, you can nitpick a lot of little stuff throughout the course of any game or any season in any stretch. And I think we have seen a progression. We've seen him continue to grow, to get more comfortable. And I do think there is always a method or a strategy behind the things that he's doing. So I, I've been I, I have been impressed overall. And I think a lot of it again will come down to how things look in the postseason. I think the biggest test for coaches is always how they're handling those in-game adjustments, how they're handling in serious adjustments. And so that it will wait to see. But throughout the course of this year, I just think overall he's done such a nice job considering not only that's his rookie year, but the uniqueness of this year with with the pandemic and the testing and the protocols and the shortened preseason, all of those things condensed season there has been such a a small amount of practice time unlike most seasons that you would have an opportunity to have so so yeah for all of those reasons i think he's he's done a tremendous job all right sarah last one for you and this might be the most important question you both made it rain in your careers you at depaul carry with the nets but you do hold the edge make it rain there's another rap reference joey crack carry kittle shot 37.8 percent in his career but sarah kustak shot 38.8 percent from downtown at depaul and has a whole point higher than carrie kittles which well, what did i shoot at nova what did i shoot at nova <laughs> I, I didn't look into those stats. Okay, so you didn't okay. find a crack research staff for that. But can you outshoot Kerry? Can we, you know, we talk about going to the playoffs. We might have to have Kerry versus Kustak, Kittles versus Kustak. I'm in. I'm in. I'm not, I'm not going to trash talk yet, but I'd be up for it. Yes. Is there a wager that we could put on the line for this? Like a steak dinner or something? She'll beat me. Yeah. Carrie? She'll beat me. Kerry shot 50, wow. 54% at Villanova, by the way. I just looked it up. For real? From, from three? No, not from, from three. three. From three? Oh, no, I'm looking at your two. I'm an idiot. 39%. 
from Red Villanova from three. All right, so point oh two better. A lot of shots too. I said a lot of threes. It's on. It's happening. We must make this happen. She's beating me though. I'm have to make her move around a little bit. You know, shooting the run. Oh, I, are you kidding? That, she's probably that been practicing these logo move? threes. You know, she's watching these NBA players shoot from half court. No. She's been practicing these no. long range shots. Can, can Jake and I play as like the the warm up? No. The yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll do the layup lines. That'll be oh, extended. No, us. this is tremendous. I, I got be in. I got a court in my driveway now. It's been a dream my whole life. I, you know, I there gotta go. put that on display. No, I, I I might be playing with a torn labrum. We'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll never be a hundred percent like LeBron. I'll play uh, in my very very undersized medium. Carry Kittle's jersey. Where, well, we'll, uh, get you a we'll get you a bigger jersey. one. We'll get you a bigger one. What if right, we all happening. just show Take up in Kittle's jerseys? Yes, let's do it. Try and throw you off a little bit. I, I might get my head a little bit. I wouldn't. That will get in my head, actually. He's already given it to you. He's given up. He says he's he says you're beating him. So I'm just, uh, I'm just really hurt. Reverse psychology. He's just hustling me. He's he's <laughs> trying to he's trying to let me get my edge down. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been great. I appreciate you guys. Truly, thank you for having me on. I told you, I and Ryan, everyone's been raving about all of you, so it's an honor. Gotta find RJ next. Good luck with that. Jambalaya! That does it for episode 20, the Landry Shamit edition of Full Court on Flatbush, our Brooklyn Nets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Brian Mungia for producing the show. Subscribe to Full Court on Flatbush wherever you get podcasts, but give us a five-star rating. Write a nice review on Apple Podcasts, would you? For Kerry Kittles, I'm Robin Lundberg. We're back next Wednesday. Stay safe, stay healthy, and thanks for listening to Full Court on Flatbush. Let's go next.